Welcome to the Philo Sophia podcast. Join our hosts Trevor and Alfredo as they plumb the depths of philosophy, religion, science, and history. Learn with us and laugh with us here on Philo Sophia. Welcome to Philo Sophia. It is March 23rd, 2023. My name's Trevor. I'm joined as always by my co-host Alfredo. How are you doing? Good evening. Welcome. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. I've got some madness going on. As you can see, I'm now broadcasting, not live, from my crawl space slash storage room Uh instead of my nice office because I am, you are now connected to me via Ethernet and you are on an independent channel on the mixer and folks at home can probably tell no difference, but... (laughs) (laughs) So it was a lot of work and complexity for no reason. That's right. The attic and basement, that's where things happen anyway. That's right. Broadcasting from the basement. Um, So, man, we talked uh, yesterday or a couple days ago that we've been having a series of really, I think, interesting, but kind of uh, fringe show topics of late. We've talked about UFOs. We've talked about you know, alternative human history stuff and ancient stuff hidden the moon yes. and uh, balloons and consciousness. It's been yes. a little wild. So we both thought that maybe we would focus on something a little more, uh, I would say, I hate to say mainstream because I still think it's interesting, more, but what? More like scientific. A little more scientific. Yeah. Because our, our intro that my wife recorded talks about us covering science and history and philosophy. And so far we've covered aliens and AI. (laughs) (laughs) None of science. (laughs) (laughs) There's been no, there's been no science. So anyway, yeah, that's what we're doing. Um, That's nice. Well, it's been a little bit of science, a little bit of science. Yeah. I got a lot of good feedback on our consciousness episode. Um, Right. And about, about some stuff that, our our friend Kurt saw. Uh, if you guys, if anyone goes back and listens to that episode, Curtis Rose, he saw he's seen a, seen a lot of interesting things in the sky. A lot of, um, I guess you golden go, bricks, golden bricks, yeah. And uh, I found out that that's not all that uncommon. Other people have seen golden bricks too, so that was interesting. But anyway, today we're talking Blue about lights and orange lights. Yeah. But we're not talking about lights in the sky tonight. We're talking about something scientific. Down so, to earth. Down to earth. So I gave you a couple options. I was trying to think of something that was scientific but interesting. No one wants to hear about, you know, the latest data on population health, right? They want something a little a little interesting. So oh, I, they're going to stop listening right there. The <laughs> yeah. So... I floated three ideas your way. One was the placebo effect, which I think we both agree we're going to cover soon, but not tonight. Oh, yeah. The other was some of this kind of spooky action at a distance, quantum mechanic type stuff, which maybe we'll do that again next episode. But we've already kind of done it before. I'm just a little bit better prepared to talk about it now. So we'll we'll circle back to that eventually. Mm-hmm. But I was in a chat room and this guy, uh, shout out to T-Bone Shuffle. <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know his, uh, his, his real name. 
but my my uh, nickname as a kid was was T Bone. But don't bring that oh, okay. back. I shouldn't have said that out loud. Don't bring that back. Oh, now everyone knows. Yeah. But anyway, T-Bone Shuffle was mentioning um, real smart guy from what I can tell so far in the chat room, mentioning uh, cool. an old Radio Lab episode he listened to where a guy called in and he had asthma and that asthma seemed to be relieved when he visited third world countries and was exposed mm-hmm. to parasites. Mm-hmm. And for a split second, I remember, because, you know, you know, I got, oh, no, I need to delete that loud noise. Sorry. I don't know if you heard that. Um, Not at all. Okay. <laughs> maybe it didn't get on the recording. Uh, for a split second, my skepticism radar was like, that sounds made up. But then I remembered I talk about this thing in my physiology classes called the hygiene hypothesis. Mm-hmm. And I knew I got that from somewhere. I know I knew I didn't make it up. So I started looking through some of my textbooks I use. And yes, indeed, not only is a hygiene hypothesis a real idea, it's actually a pretty mainstream idea. Mm-hmm. It's been so, going on for a while. So that's what we're talking about tonight. Um, I like it. There's a lot of different ideas about what it is. But generally speaking, it it just relates to the idea that childhood exposure to microorganisms, particularly mycobacteria, protect against allergic disease like asthma. And maybe even there might be some aspects related to just autoimmunity in general. So there's all these autoimmune diseases that seem to have emerged in the last you know, 50 years or so. Um, Especially in the Western countries. Exactly. Yeah. You don't see them a lot in in developing countries, which, you know, for most diseases, you kind of expect the opposite. But um, so, yeah, they needed to explain this. So basically the hypothesis is that if you are born into a hyper hygienic environment, with no challenges presented to your immune system, your immune system it needs a fight. It's like a it's like a, someone who just got out of its first day in MMA school, right. and it just needs a challenger. <laughs> and so, if no challengers present, a little yeah, a little punch in the face. It needs Keep it real. It needs to punch something in the face exactly. And if there's nothing to punch in the face, it's going to end up punching either one of your own cells in the face, which would be autoimmunity, or it's going to... For a long time. Yeah. Or it's going to punch some innocent bystander in the face. It doesn't need to be punched in the face, like pollen (laughs) or dust mites, stuff that you encounter in, you know, the day-to-day world. So I'm going to read a couple sections out of a book, if that's okay with you. That's fine. Stop me if this is incredibly boring, but there's actually uh, a few versions of this. So the book, the book I'm reading from, I mentioned it a million times. It's one of my favorite books, Genome by Matt Ridley. Oh yeah. I love that author. Yeah. He's a, he's the best. So he, I mean, he's one of these Oxford, uh, I believe Oxford guys probably has Mm -hmm. wine and filet mignon with Richard Dawkins on the weekend. So he's no, He's no friend of uh, fancy full theories or religion. He's like just a real hardcore 
rational atheist, I think would probably be how he described himself. Yeah. And so to know him by the, by the red queen. Yeah. That's when I got interested in that years, decades ago. That book is pretty heavy. Um, yeah. I just actually started rereading it a little bit last week because you mentioned it. And I'm like, man, I don't know if I can, if I can do this again. Uh, but I mean, it's a great book. It's just like you, you've got to have some time to just like sit down and absorb it. Genome's a little bit right. more. I mean, I think anybody, even without a science background, could sit down and, and read oh, it. Oh, there you go. There you go. So you got better. I think uh, Red Queen was the first one, and then uh, he came out with different ones. Red Queen is like, um, it's it's equally good. It's just, man, like... You got to, it's dense. It's a lot of information. Yeah. And he starts off not, not to subject change too much, but he starts right off. He's one of these science writers who incorporates a lot of religious ideas and archetypes and stuff. And he starts right off the bat by talking about Adam and Eve and how Mm -hmm. the fruit she ate must have been the carnal knowledge, you know, the, Mm -hmm. the, it must have taught them what, sex was and that's right that's where we got evolution and sexual selection and all that from so awesome book if you get if you're in if that sounds exciting to you and it is it's really good it's just you, you need some uh time and some vocabulary um <laughs> but anyway here here goes so uh this chapter is about um and you know nature versus nurture genes versus environment and this chapter is actually called custom battle exactly and this chapter is actually called environment and uh it's talking about asthma so uh it's actually just talking about autoimmunity and asthma one theory holds that people who wash themselves as children or encounter less mud in everyday life are more likely to become asthmatics that hygiene not lack of it is the problem children with elder siblings are less likely to get asthma perhaps because their siblings bring dirt into the house. In a study of 14,000 children near Bristol, it emerged that those who washed their hands five times a day or more and bathed twice daily stood a 25% chance of having asthma, while those who washed less than three times a day and bathed every other day had slightly over half that risk of asthma. So it's about a 100% increase between groups. 100% Mm-hmm. 100% mm-hmm. relative risk just from washing your hands and bathing. The theory, the theory goes that dirt contains bacteria, especially mycobacteria, which stimulate one part of the immune system, whereas routine vaccination stimulates a different part of the immune system. Since these two parts of the immune system, uh, they're named Th1 cells and Th2 cells, respectively, normally inhibit each other. The modern, sanitized, disinfected, and vaccinated child is bequeathed a hyperactive Th2 system. And the Th2 system is specially designed to flush parasites from the wall of the gut with the massive release of histamine. Hence, hay fever, asthma, and eczema. Our immune systems are set up in such a way that they expect to be educated by soil mycobacteria early in childhood. When they are not, the result is an unbalanced system prone to allergy. In support of this theory, asthmatic attacks can be staved off in mice that have been made allergic to egg white proteins by the simple remedy of forcing them to inhale bacteria. Among Japanese schoolchildren, 
all of whom receive the BCG inoculation against tuberculosis, but only 60% of whom become immune as a result. The immune ones are much less likely to develop allergies and asthma than the non-immune ones. This may imply that the giving the Th1 cells some stimulation with the bacterial inoculation enables them to suppress the asthmatic effects of their Th2 colleagues. Throw away the sterilizer and seek out bacteria. Okay, so that was a long chapter, or what's the word I'm looking for? Excerpt, but what do you think about that? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, funny that he's mentioning that in that book because the hygiene hypothesis talks about those two factors, right? Environment and gene uh, expression, right? Yep. So basically the ability to turn off or attenuate or fill, you know, um, the the gene, right? Yeah. And so, uh, for instance, uh, one of those papers that you were talking about, uh, a good example of asthma that you were saying is the prevalence uh, of asthma in former East Germany, which happens to be low asthmatic prevalence. Okay. With high levels of air pollution. And then oh, West wow. Germany, which is completely the opposite, right? High asthma, uh, asthma prevalence and then low air pollution. That's interesting. So, and you know what? The, I think they've done, I think I've heard about a similar study being done in our area because we have pretty bad air pollution around here. Oh, uh, one of the worst. And a pretty low asthma rate. Right. That's it's interesting. It's like your body, like you're saying, your body's trying to defend itself. Um, but I guess it has, a lot of people have moved out here, though, from 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 this region because of the, 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 the allergic reactions to pollen, right? But that just tells me mm. that perhaps is their gene composition and their gene expression. Otherwise, we have no population here. Right. Yeah. There's definitely, so, there's definitely an, an interaction. So like for every person has right. it, it, it. So, you know, the same person can be exposed to the exact same bacteria at the exact same time. Mm-hmm. And one of them will get asthma and one of them won't. So it's not, it's not right. purely driven by environment. Everyone has a genetic predisposition for sure. But I mean, statistically, if you live in a hyperhygienic environment, you're you're much more likely to get an allergic disease or an autoimmune disease. I, autoimmune is maybe a stretch. Um, that's just something that I I kind of believe it's the same mechanism. But as far as the hygiene hypothesis goes, I'm pretty sure that has to do with asthma in particular. But <clears throat> anyway, right. Well, this is what. No, you're right, because this is exactly, it's a balance, right? Mm-hmm. So on the bottom, you have genes, right? And then you have the, the on the right side, non-allergic. On the left side, allergic disorders, right? Asthma, eczema, rhinitis. And they notice that those high high prevalence in number one, westernized, westernized countries, small family size, affluent urban homes, intestinal microflora is stable, high antibiotic use, and uh, mm. good sanitation or low orofecal burden, which means that they don't have to worry about, you know, orofecal burden, right? Because they're washing their hands. But again, boom, you have a lot of asthma and eczema. And the opposite is true, right? Developing countries, usually large family size, rural homes, livestock, low antibiotic use and poor sanitation, right? But they have little allergic reactions uh, disorders, Okay, everybody, Uh, we had a technical issue, so we're back. 
Alfredo, you were talking about developing versus uh, developed countries. Yeah, yeah, westernized. Um, well, basically, the allergic disorders, asthma, eczema, rhinitis, are more prevalent in westernized countries with small family sizes, usually affluent, uh, with urban homes, and high antibiotic use with good sanitation versus developing countries, which are normally large in size, rural homes, livestock, right? Low antibiotic use, and they have poor sanitation. So usually the developing countries are seeing that it's non-allergic reactions or disorders are less prevalent than the westernized. So it's, it's pretty clear that hygiene actually works against you in terms of uh, allergic disorders and maybe autoimmune disorders. Autoimmune disorders, some autoimmune disorders, right. Right. It's not, we're not saying don't wash your hands, guys. Yeah. yeah Cause Please you can, do. you can still get, you know, all sorts of other. You still diseases. die if you don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You still have that fungi. Did you hear about that? And Gio was telling me about that, uh, that it's going around. I got I some alert on my phone. On, on, yeah. 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 On sniffs and assistant living facilities but you know they're just trying to scare you again i mean i think it's, it's just, just a promotion up. for last of us on hbo right right and it works <laughs> have you have you that, seen that, that show guy has been a, no 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 adrian has and, and i know i haven't is it good it, it's just all about a, a fungus that turns everyone into zombies oh, basically yeah oh uh, well there you go promotion yeah <laughs> H- oh, HBO nice. planet to start. No, that's I'm just kidding. That's <laughs> just joking, everybody. Oh my! I I think we're just like disease fatigued at this point. After three years later, to be honest. Yeah, you know, bring on the plague. No one's gonna even react. They're just gonna be like, whatever. Yeah, you know, let bring leprosy back. No one really cares. <laughs> um. All right. So I got, I got one more one more passage for you. Yeah. About the hygiene hypothesis. Do it. it. Another somewhat similar theory holds that asthma is the unleashed frustration of the worm fighting element in the immune system. Back in the rural stone age or the middle ages for that matter, the immunoglobulin E system had its hands full fighting off roundworms, tapeworms, hookworms, and flukes. It had no time for being precious about dust mites and cat hair. Today, it is kept less busy and gets up to mischief instead. This theory rests on a slightly dubious assumption about the ways in which the body's immune system works, but it has quite a lot of support. There is no dose of hay fever that a good tapeworm cannot cure, but then which would you rather have? That's so interesting. There is no dose of hay fever that a tapeworm can't cure. I love that. I love that line. Yeah, isn't that great? It reminds me of how... uh, how alarmed we get as parents when our children have, uh, when they have fever, you know, and then we tend to relate it to something that it's bad, but it's good uh, when it's like regulated, right? It's yeah. a normal, it's a normal reaction, right? Yeah. There, so, there's all sorts of things to, like uh, that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Man. You were just, oh, you yeah, were just I mean, bringing up what I was going to say. Go ahead. Antibiotics. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, that's it. Well, just, I mean, that's another, like you're saying, a fever is just a natural thing. I mean, there obviously there's limits. Fevers can be uh, damaging, right. of course, um, especially in kids. There's yes. can be seizures and stuff, but it is, a, right. it is a natural process and it is, 
a normal part of healing 99% of the time and fighting infection. And I think, I mean, I know people who, if their kid gets, and this is diminished somewhat in recent years, but if their kid gets a sniffle, they're at the doctors demanding antibiotics. Oh yeah. And And load them up with that. And man, that has those things have some fairly long-term consequences. Obviously, so does severe infection. So I'm not saying, you know, don't take antibiotics for a severe right. infection, but don't take them willy-nilly either. I mean, they you're you're flushing, right. you're completely flushing out your microbiome every time you do that. Yeah, it has no distinction between good cells and bad cells. It just washes it out. Yeah, and then you're basically rebuilding your microbiome, and hopefully, mm-hmm. it, you rebuild it. Well, I mean, every time you flush it out, that's an opportunity for an opportunistic little bug to kind of get hold in there. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, this, this whole idea for this episode all came about because, uh, someone remembered an old radio lab episode where a guy's asthma was cured by going to somewhere with parasites and Mm -hmm. that on its face sounds silly but it it isn't it's actually that's pretty accurate uh giving mm-hmm. your especially the immunoglobulin e system something to do your eosinophils it's a type of white blood cell that fight worms giving them something to do is absolutely necessary and for a lot of asthmatics potentially curative but the question then does remain what's worse Asthma or a tapeworm, neither, of course, you know, we don't want that. But then again, it's a constant, uh, uh, it's moder- in moderation. We, we've, we've talked about moderation here before, you know, like yeah, yeah. wash your hands, but uh, don't load yourself with antibiotics unnecessarily or it's okay. A little fever, nothing's going to happen. A little one, you know. There's, there's for sure a happy medium, but it makes me, it makes me wonder, um, now we don't have the funding to test something like this, but, uh, you know, a vaccination is, not is not yet, is an attenuated virus, right? So it's giving your immune right. system kind of a, well, the old one, the old one. Yeah. The old one. Yeah. The, the way we used to do it, it's giving them a little picture of what the virus looks like. So the next time you see the real thing, you kind of have a little bit of exposure. It's like it's like watching tapes right. of your boxing opponent before you fight them. You know what I mean? You're those, getting those used to work. Yeah, those still work without missing your mRNAs. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, we get, we've been doing so good we about staying go mainstream, that. Alfredo. My gosh. No, I'm just kidding. This this isn't a mainstream show, <laughs> so I, I don't I don't care at all. And uh, there's a lot of people. I respect like Peter Atia, who's deep diving into this whole mRNA thing. So I don't think that's fringe at all, but, uh, but back yeah. to, back to the idea of a, va- of a old school vaccination, it seems like we could do something like that with parasites. We could create a weakened and attenuated tapeworm <laughs> or fluke and expose an asthmatic to that so that their immunoglobulin E system, their TH1 system of their, of their immune system has something to do other than react to dust and pollen. 
And I'm surprised that's never right. been tested before. Maybe it has and it didn't work. I don't know, but oh, maybe it works and they just archive it. There's no money in it. <laughs> Let's uh, put that aside. <laughs> <laughs> no, that that's a good business model, man. If you can figure out how to get everyone to take oh, something like but, a vaccine, that so that that should be right up right, their alley. Yeah, right. Right, right, right. I'm just going to take it there. Remember, they're not here to cure things. And I'm saying they, you know, quote unquote. We know no what, business there. We know what you mean. It, you know, we need we need returning clients. The the they in your sentence is just good businessmen. Good businessmen are yeah, not exactly. going to sell cures. That's silly. You're going to be out of a job. Yeah, exactly. Who wants that? Yeah, as, as rough as that is. With the banks collapsing. Yes. Uh, there, there is one more paragraph here. Um, I haven't actually, this isn't one of the ones I highlighted, but looking at it, I think it's going to be right up our alley. So here we go. And then I'm promised no more reading. I'll, I'll spare you all. So it's all good. Another theory holds that the connection with urbanization is actually a connection with prosperity. Wealthy people stay indoors, heat their houses and sleep on feather pillows infested with dust mites. Yet another theory is based on the undoubted fact that mild, casual contact viruses, things like common colds, are increasingly common in societies with rapid transport and compulsory education. School children harvest new viruses from the playground at an alarming rate, as every parent knows. When nobody traveled much, the supply of new viruses soon ran out. But today, with parents jetting off to foreign lands or meeting strangers at work all the time, there is an endless supply of new viruses to sample at the saliva-rich, germ-amplifying stations we call schools. Over 200 different kinds of viruses can cause what is collectively known as a common cold. There is a definite connection between childhood infection with mild viruses, such as respiratory sinusoidal virus, and asthma susceptibility. The latest Vogue theory is that a bacterial infection, which causes nonspecific, uh, wow, urethritis. I'm not sure that. It, oh, okay. Ure- urethritis in women and has been getting commoner at roughly the same rate as asthma may set up the immune system in such a way that it responds aggressively to allergens in later life. Take your pick. My favorite theory for what it's worth is the hygiene hypothesis, but I wouldn't go to the stake for it. The one thing you cannot argue is that asthma is on the increase because asthma genes are on the increase. The, oh, I'm sorry. The one thing you cannot argue is that asthma is on the increase because asthma genes are on the increase. The genes have not changed, just the environment. So mm-hmm. I kind of paraphrase some of that. Um, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of different theories there, and it sounds like, um, for what it's worth, Matt Ridley is advocating for the first two things I read basically, or, or primarily the first thing I read, uh, basically that we are hyper hygienic, especially at birth. I mean, when you have a, a baby, I mean, and I don't even necessarily know that this is a bad thing, but we are certainly not putting, you know, we're, we're key. That's the cleanest, uh, that child is going to have less exposure to pathogen than probably any normal person. And I think right. that's, uh, good a good it's a good intuition but it sounds like there are some consequences so when we live in a world where um you know we can deal with minor bacterial infections pretty well and we can't deal with chronic uh uh, autoimmune diseases really at all we might kind of want to consider acting a little differently i guess yeah 
Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I, you know, and I wonder, now that you gave me an idea, I wonder by the use of hand sanitizer, now everyone is aware of it, right? Hand sanitizer since, uh, since COVID. I wonder if there's a, 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 a change in the prevalence too of, of those uh, allergens or, you know, the, the, there's those got, reactions. There has to be. I mean, because that, that study we read, there was a, you know, nearly a 100% relative risk increase in the folks who washed their and this hands. Is when people didn't used to wash their hands, right? It's right. just like, you're washing your hands? What? <laughs> right. right. And now everyone is like, you go anywhere and everyone is carrying the hand sanitizer. We've, which is, I don't mind. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's moderation. We've overcorrected. Do you know? Do you know the story? And I, I should have come more a little bit more prepared to tell this story. But you do you know the story of? I think his name is Ig Ignes Semmelweis. Sounds familiar. <clears throat> he uh, he worked in a hospital, and this particular hospital, all of the women, not all, but a startling amount of the women were dying after childbirth. Mm-hmm. And he, um, he said he he dedicated his life to figuring out why this was. I mean the 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 mother's fatality rate was absurd. Uh, the children did about the same as average for the time, the infant mortality rate. But I believe the mother's mortality rate was about double or maybe more than nearby oh, hospitals. Wow. This was a long time ago. Uh, Semmelweis with the W it's pronounced like a V. If anyone cares to learn more about the story, they can look it up. But he, um, I, I tell this story in my book that I'm never actually going to finish writing because he was a true empiricist. He, he was an empiricist oh, okay. and the chapter is called rationality. And it's just about how rationality is killing us because a rationalist mm. can defend a position. Well, that is totally acceptable by society and be completely wrong. Whereas an, an empiricist can't because they can only deal with the truth with the facts. Mm-hmm. And so Semmelweis was an empiricist and he um, eventually proposed that basically little, Oh, because there was a morgue in the building and he basically proposed that because the same doctors who worked on the dead bodies delivered the babies this was before hand washing that little bits of oh. corpse. This, this was his proposal. Little bits of corpse were contaminating the women. And he was actually right. I mean, he didn't call them germs or bacteria, but I mean, he, he was correct. And they locked him in a mental institution until the day he died <laughs> for that proposal. Are you serious? Yep. He died in an insane asylum for suggesting that physicians wash their hands to prevent the spread oh, of, amazing. he didn't call them germs, but to prevent the spread of germs. And so wow. he's kind of a cautionary tale of, um, you know, in the face of rational people, you need to be careful with the truth uh, yeah. because the physicians were being rational because to suggest that bits of dead people uh, were being spread and Lock killing women. Up. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that's crazy. Right. You know? Um, wow. That's like, that's like miasma. The idea that that sickness spreads through smell, like it just didn't make any, any sense to them. So mm-hmm. they locked him up mm-hmm. and threw away the key. Good point. Now but, he's going to live forever. 
Yeah. Because we're still quoting him. Yeah, 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 I guess. I guess that's the one uh, consolation prize. But my point of telling that story was we've now swung to the complete opposite direction. Uh, they didn't wash their hands at all back then. They were killing everybody. Hmm. Now maybe we're a little getting a little bit over the top. So yeah, it's like I it's like I like I say too much of the good thing is bad too, right? Is that what you say? Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, too much <laughs> of a good thing is bad, man. Yeah, too much uh, chocolate cake is bad for you. Too much exercise is bad for you. Yeah, you know? too much money. Yeah. Nah, I don't know. I well, think I'd risk debatable. it. I'd risk it. That's that's debatable. <laughs> that's what you do with it. <laughs> that's uh, that's what I've that's got, the man. Only one that I doesn't apply. Everything else it apply. Little little too much money never hurt anybody. Uh, right. Th- that's what I've got. Is there anything else you want to talk about, man? Dude, that's that. That was. That was deep, man. You know what I've just realized? Like everyone washes their hands, right? Yeah, and I, I don't think we're advocating it's, for people not to, but <laughs> it's just, especially no, if you're not. cooking no, my not. food. No, exactly. So I just to let it know, we do wash our hands all the time, but it's just whenever you develop uh, uh, other issues. You know what I should look into somewhere else. You know what I think this is? I think this is a lesson in unintended consequences. And when we allow our hubris in the scientific and health communities to grow so large that we think we truly understand the way the body works, I think it's important to remind ourselves that that's impossible, at least right now. We really, we don't understand everything quite yet. Uh, Closer than we've ever been before. I don't think we ever. But yeah, exactly. We're not there quite Yeah, yet. I don't think we ever, but we're closer. I mean, we're seeing outcomes and we're seeing results and that's what's painting the picture. And uh, I was just going to say, do you, know, do you know what else this episode has taught me? What's that? It's a lot more fun talking about aliens and pyramids <laughs> and the Book of Enoch. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think we can do the science episodes just fine, but... Man, it's not nearly as exciting. Right. They have to be short and sweet. You know, it's amazing. Not a lot of people are into science either. So, Yeah, uh, we just got to dress it up a little bit. A lot of us are, but a lot of people aren't. Got to dress it up with some some, uh, excitement, some drama. Um, We mentioned Legacy. That was your comment when you heard the story of Ignaz Semmelweis. Yeah. That he will now, his name is now immortal. So... I've got a quote for us. You always, you always no bring quotes. I brought a quote today. Your turn. This is from Pericles, mm. a Stoic. What you leave behind is not what is engraved in stone monuments, but what is woven into the lives of others. Ooh. And since they're not making any I monuments can... for me, that's encouraging. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I still like the stone idea engrave it in stone i would that's take kind of cool i would take a nice marble bust with a with a better hairline <laughs> they can take 20 year old me yeah maybe maybe with that quote in mind uh we can talk about uh i don't know some ideas on how how the hell they cut those uh stones like in all those places 
Alfredo, we came so close to doing a science episode. No, I'm saying for next one. For oh, next for next one. one. <laughs> I was like, if we're going to start talking about levitating 80 ton uh, blocks into a pyramid, <laughs> then let, let me stop recording and we'll start recording right after. We'll start episode. We'll oh, start the no. next episode. We got we to gotta have one solid scientific episode. Although I think people this might already it. get upset because because Matt Ridley mentioned vaccines in this one, but I thought he was pretty he was pretty well, t- he was pretty science. mild. It, it is science. Yeah, and vaccines are vaccines. Yeah, I mean it's trade offs: polio or asthma. You know. Um, yeah. So exactly. Anyway, it's all about it's all about uh, understanding risk. I think, I think that's healthcare in general. It's, it's how do you understand and prioritize and measure risk? And that should be up to us to do. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, let's talk about, I, I just don't know anything about that. So you're going to have to carry the episode if you're okay with that. Either. We can... So we'll do, we'll do some research. Okay. Actually, I have someone who, who does know a little bit about that perhaps. And do they? Okay. Okay. <laughs> I mean, they're not, listen, we're not getting Graham Hancock on our show, let's be honest, but, uh, right. But I think fairly, I mean, interesting enough that we could bring on. So, uh, so yeah, let's do it and let's research it. So we'll be talking about, uh, some moving some stone blocks potentially. And then you have to let me talk some more about the delayed choice experiment soon. Oh my gosh, man. More science. Yeah, but it's kind of like weird science. Pseudoscience? Quantum no, it's physics, it's the new a, frontier. It's hundred percent legit science, but it leads you down some weird paths that has you questioning what reality is, which is my favorite kind oh, of science. We're gonna, oh, we're doing that one next time. Forget the stones. Let's do that, that one. Okay, and but we got to do stones. I let's just we, we need to. I need to educate myself a little bit. Uh, no, yeah, no. Let's let's talk about that one. Okay. Uh, that you just mentioned. I think that would be kind of cool. All right, I deal. People, I think people like science. You know? It can be fun, man, especially when it has you questioning, am I real? Or what does it mean mm-hmm. to be real? So right. next week we'll be talking about the delayed choice experiment, which pretty much yes. suggests that time is not real. Time is an illusion. We'll also be talking about scaled up superposition, which suggests that nothing is real without a conscious observer. And uh, we'll probably drop a few quotes. And if Alfredo gets around to it, cause he's a busy man, he'll record a new intro for us. I see your guitar in the background, just begging. Oh yeah. We'll have Chad GPT write like us some our, lyrics. I like our intro though, man. I didn't know. I didn't know you were such a good singer, man. I heard you singing earlier. Oh no. I just, I just like music. It just comes out. Thanks. So modest. So modest. (laughs) We'll have, well, let's, uh, I I like our intro, but come on to have a custom one to my you. That'd be amazing. All right, man. I will, I will see you next time. All right. Take it easier.